back to Brian Bushlack's business briefing on AM 770 KTTH. A friendly reminder, our five-week series begins next weekend here on Business Briefing as we focus on the marine sector, maritime, and manufacturing across the region I believe this is a sector that is overlooked, and we sat down with our friend Frank Fody from Vigor Industrial, who just brought the vigorous dry dock into the Portland Harbor. It is under construction right now, already two ships awaiting that dry dock, and we're hearing a cruise ship from a major cruise line is also intending to use the dry dock in Portland. This is a huge story for the Portland shipyard the entire region. So the next four or five weeks, we'll focus on the marine sector and manufacturing across our region. And it all starts next weekend with a two-part interview with Frank Foti, the president and CEO of Vigor Industrial. The real estate market, also a huge driver on the national level and on the local and regional level. And that's why we always sit down with Patrick Stone, the president and CEO of Williston Financial Group and WFG National Title. Pat, well, he's called it pretty much every step along the way. Next year looks like the year will be back at full throttle in the U.S. economy. I sat down with Pat recently at his office to talk about the national economy and our regional real estate market. Well, Pat, over the past few years, you've been a vocal opponent, and correctly so, uh, to the inflation hawks who continue to predict uh, runaway inflation. Economist Paul Krugman wrote a great piece on this recently. I shared it with you, wanted to revisit this discussion with you. Why are so many supposedly smart people so wrong about this? Well, you know, this is interesting because I I think they're alarmed by the increase in the money supply. And, you know, historically we've had uh, in the last hundred years two major instances of hyperinflation that people are well aware of. Of course, Germany in the early 20s in the uh, Weimar Republic. And I think you had uh, the value of a mark degrade by about 100 million over a three-year period. Uh, so, I mean, just uh, hyperinflation times, you know, times infinity. Then uh, in our own lifetime here in the, in the U.S., in, in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, uh, we had a couple of years where inflation ran over 10 percent. Actually, I think in the uh, 1980, it ran over 14 percent for the first half of the year. Uh, Volcker came in, tightened interest rates. We calmed it down. It's been relatively benign since then. But people look at uh, look at increases in the money supply, and they automatically assume it's going to result in inflation, and that's where they go with it. Uh, it really has more to do with the velocity of money. Until the money turns over rapidly, the amount of money is less relevant than the speed with which the money turns over. So people are looking for an end result to a policy and assuming the end result will be inflation. It also plays well to the people that are afraid, people that have uh, – have assets and want interest on their money. It plays to them very, very well. Candidly, I think they should be more concerned about asset bubbles than inflation. Well, speaking of printed money, the Chinese are actually stealing a page from uh, Ben Bernanke's playbook here, injecting 500 billion won, uh, that's 81 billion U.S., into five of their biggest banks across the board to boost lending and spur growth. So I guess when your GDP is uh, muddling along in China at 7.5%, it's time to take some action, huh? 
Well, this is really interesting because China, you know, when you step back and look at China, you have a, a country trying to go from a export uh, uh, in, uh, economy to a consumption economy and to doing so fairly quickly or trying to do so fairly quickly. The reality is the banks in, in China are in big trouble. I mean, they have high levels of bad debt. Uh, they have an uncertain economy. They have a a uh, housing bubble. Uh, they have uh, they have consumption that's hard to uh, hard to plan for. So uh, they're going to have to manage that economy aggressively in order not to have some major disruption. You remember they've got what a billion three people. Uh, you know, so this is a you know this is a full time job managing that economy. It makes our economy look pretty stable and pretty rational. Yeah, all those concerns about China taking over the U.S. not going to happen anytime soon. Huh? I, I don't see it. You know, candidly, I don't see it in my lifetime. I really don't. Uh, we, we went through that whole. Uh, we always need. You know, we always need an enemy somewhere, and we always need somebody external to be worried about. If you remember the early '80s, it was all about Japan. We we're all going to be speaking Japanese in ten years, and uh, and and I'm not trying to put Japan or China down. Uh, and we do want those economies to grow. We want them to grow successfully. I mean, that's the betterment of all. But I'm not worried about China overtaking the U.S. anytime soon. Patrick Stone is the president and CEO of Williston Financial Group and WFG National Title. Joins us regularly here on Business Briefing. We come back home to the U.S. Uh, the August job numbers, kind of a downer. Any concern or just a blip on the radar? Data point. Just a simple data point. Long-term trend is very healthy. Um, the economy is growing actually fairly well. Capital expenditures are up. Uh, CEO confidence is up. There are a lot of very, very positive signs. You know, I I tend to subscribe to the uh, the school of thought that that says the next four quarters are going to three, be three percent plus GDP growth. That's good to hear. We haven't talked about the stock market uh, for quite some time. Had a another big week midweek. Uh, caught an article the other day that reported fifty two percent of the Nasdaq. Uh, has actually entered bear market territory, so down 20% from a 52-week high. Um, Amazon among those stocks. What's your read on the market right now, Pat? Uh, does it still have legs, or, or are we in for a, a little correction here? You know, that's you know, Brian, I hate that question. Um, to be really honest with you, people tend to look at the market as a whole. A whole, you know, it's a place where you trade equities, and the equities represent companies and endeavors in multiple fields at different levels of progress. So it's really, I hate this up and down average type analysis. Um, you know, I will tell you candidly, I look at the market, and I'm I'm bemused to a certain degree by the amount of high valued stocks that have never made had any income or made a profit. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm old enough as are many of your listeners to remember the dot com boom. And and I would, I would call everyone's attention to one thing: is that you know we used to talk about eyeballs and trying to justify the value of some tech stocks. Now they talk about app downloads. Uh, it still doesn't matter if you have revenue. It still doesn't matter if you have a profit. Uh, if you have enough of your apps being, or you have enough downloads of your app, then you have a high valuation. I'm not real fond of that, and I have a lot of concern about it. Um, I think some of the underlying fundamentals are still run to room on some uh, uh, room to roll and run on some of the growth stocks and some some of the fundamental stocks. So, in some respects, there are some that are overvalued, and I guess that uh, you, you know, with your experience and expertise, um, and you know, there are quite a few people out there who probably, as scary as this is to say, don't remember that dot com bubble in the late 90s, right around 2000. Obviously, I do. Uh, fortunately, I was out of the market. But, you know, it is it is an interesting time because, you know, you've got to kind of pick and choose carefully. 
Well, you do, and I think if you look forward to say what's going to happen, you know, the the industry I'm in, real estate, I, I do think that there's going to, and I'm not advocating any particular stock, but I do think that there's going to be an increase in home building. And I would use that just as an example for your listeners. Take a look around you. There are things that are going to grow. There are things that are going to improve, and, and there are publicly traded equities and companies that will benefit from that. You had mentioned uh, in our last interview uh, pointing toward next year, 2015, as being the year. And I know that you know you feel pretty confident in that, that that's still going to happen. I feel very confident next year will be significantly better than this year in the real estate business. Um, I, I, I say that because as long as, long as you see GDP growth at around 3% or better, you're going to have increase in consumer confidence. And consumer confidence now is at about 95 uh, consumer confidence at a roughly 100, I think you get the first-time buyer back into a greater degree. First-time buyers are maybe 28% of uh, home sales right now or home purchases. Uh, when you have consumer confidence at 100, then people step out and they're willing to take a mortgage on. They feel more confident about their future. So the first-time buyer reengages, and ergo you get move-up buyers and you just get, get uh you know, you get a little bit more uh, fuel in the tank for the housing recovery. Well, great insight, as always, from Patrick Stone, the president and CEO of Williston Financial Group and WFG National Title. And we're not done with Pat. When we come back after our break here at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk more about the local and regional real estate market. Really, things are very healthy. And I think the key word from not only what we're hearing from the agents, but others in the business is sustainable. And that's good news for everybody. That's up next as Business Briefing continues across the great Northwest. 